Welcome to the Golden Age of Cardboard podcast, where we remember a time when stacks of cards were held together with rubber bands and Mickey Mantles were put in bike spokes. We hope you will enjoy and reminisce as you come along with us as we tell stories about the baseball cards from the Golden Age of Baseball. We will examine the state of the vintage baseball card market and talk to some of the greatest collectors in the hobby. You won't be hearing us talk about any chrome or shiny cards here. Now, to take you on this retrospective journey, here's your host, direct from the shallow end of the gene pool, my son, Mike Moynihan. Yo, and hello, everybody. This is Mike. Welcome to Golden Age of Cardboard podcast. Today's episode is going to be so much fun because I get to A, talk to one of my really good friends, and B, talk to a guy who is a, in what I consider to be a very integral part of our hobby, and that's the auction house market. So not going to be a long introduction today because I want to get right into this conversation and I'm going to bring my guests on immediately. First off, Chris from Missouri. Hey, Chris. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me on. And Al from Love of the Game Auctions, owner and proprietor of one of my favorite auction houses. And uh, Al, welcome to the show. Thanks for being on here. Thanks for having me, Mike. Yeah, this is going to be fun. So we're here because, Chris, you had a card that is... I don't know, got a mystique about it within the hobby. It's it's one of those cards that, you know, only whispered about in dark alleys and stuff. It's a it's an absolutely great card. The 1953 Bowman Color Proof Dodgers in Action card is a card that, that you've owned uh, for a little while. Tell everybody about that card and, and where'd you get it and tell me the story there. Well, uh, okay, yeah, you said had the card, so I don't have it to show. But um, I picked up, I went to a, a card show called the Machinist Hall Show in St. Louis, Missouri. And it's put on, it's been going on for years. And uh, I, I, sat at, I sat down at a table to give my friend a break so he could get up and move around. But anyway, he came back. And he had purchased what he had forgot that he had purchased a 1953 Bowman complete set from a guy. And he actually didn't want to buy it because he, he's getting out of the, He was getting out of being a uh, seller. Uh, he, he was selling out and this was only going to add to his collection uh, to sell. And so basically what he went ahead and kept his promise and bought the 53 complete set. And then the back part of that back part of the book was this card by itself. It wasn't part of it. And he handed it. To, he looked at it. He said, Chris, you know what this is? And I said, well, I think I do. I think that looks like a proof. So I used our little network, our, our YouTube network called uh, Alex Bowman 53. And he verified what we thought it was. And my friend, he said, here, he said, I don't want to do the legwork on this. I don't have any time at all. He said, do you want to buy it? And I said, I can't afford this. And he said, how about $50? And I said, I can afford this. And I love <laughs> doing the legwork. And I took that card immediately over to a ta SGC was there, as had a table set up. And I, I took it over there and he, 
he goes, do you know what you have here? And I think hoping that I didn't know what I had. I don't know. But anyway, I said, I think I do. And he said, well, I can't accept that now. But he said, let me make a phone call or two. And and uh, it started the it started my trail of trying to verify the authenticity of this card. And then knowing that I was going to sell this card eventually and and probably end up buying me another card and maybe even taking care of that guy that is retiring. So in a nutshell, I picked it up for $50 at a card show, talking about being at the right place at the right time. Well, Al, would you enlighten our audience here, the, the people watching and listening at home, why are the 53 Bowman color proofs, what makes them special? Sure, well, the, the cards were never issued. Um, there were there's four of them that have been discovered and and uh, uh, each has a different subject. There's one that's uh, Enos Slaughter, where uh, the card design is very, very similar to the Enos Slaughter that actually made it into the set. The, the image is cropped a little bit differently and uh, and it doesn't have the black uh, rule line around the photo. Uh, but aside from that, the image is the same. Uh, there's a Warren Spawn. Which, uh, which is completely different than the Warren Spawn that made it into the set. Then there's a Ferris Fane, which, uh, which was just never issued, and Ferris Fane doesn't have a card in the 53 Bowman color set. And then there was this Dodgers in Action card, which, uh, which is very, very similar. I actually have it here. It's very, very similar to, uh, it's hard to see with, uh, with the reflection, but it's very similar to the, to the Pee Wee Reese card. Um, which is a classic card from this set that shows Pee Wee Reese, you know, turning a double play and, and uh, you know, he's up in the air and he's making a throw. It's kind of an action image. And there's speculation that uh, that uh, Bowman was considering uh, a small uh, run of action cards, and this would have been one of them, uh, but this card never made it into the set. And so they're very rare and, and uh, you know, obviously unissued. There have been a few examples of each that have uh, uh, ha have been discovered over the years, and the Dodgers in Action one is the uh, the most desirable of the four, um, probably because it's so similar to that iconic Pee Wee Reese card. And and uh, uh, you know we did our homework on this end and tried to find the image, tried to find the original image. We cannot find it, and and uh, uh, so uh, nobody knows who the actual player is sliding into home uh but uh, but it's clearly an action shot uh play at the plate which is which is a really cool image yeah these have i've heard about these years and years and years ago yeah and thought well that's pretty cool yeah. um i know the one you're holding which is chris's example is graded by cgc right wasn't graded tried to get graded by sgc they turned it down psa turned it down although i i'm aware that there are several that are in psa holders yeah and what do you what's the reason why the other card companies will not slab them i you know i wish i had an answer for that um you know my original speculation was that the cards maybe were uncatalogued but they're actually listed in the standard catalog and and uh so um you know, with all of that, the only thing I can really think of is that because they're so rare, it's hard for the graders to tell 
whether or not they're, I don't know, whether they're authentic. I mean, the, the, it's it's pretty easy to authenticate a, a Bowman card, you know, and and uh, so, uh, you know, I'm thankful that uh, that CGC was able to step up and, and put a hold on, you know, around this card because it's a special card and it deserves, you know, there's, there's a segment of this hobby that um, just feels more comfortable making a purchase when it's already in somebody's holder, you know, when it's graded and, and, uh, uh, you know, it's it's good that uh, yeah, I mean we can get into whether or not the uh, the, the grading companies are are leaving some uh, some important work behind by not authenticating these kind of cards. I mean that's kind of what they're supposed to do. So it was a, it was a little bit uh, disappointing to me to learn that uh, you know the PSA and SGC weren't interested in holding this card. But uh, you know the bottom line is that it's it's what it's purported to be. And, uh, you know, thankfully, CGC holder the card. Yeah, I would think there'd be some concern about liability, especially for PSA. You know, they do have their authenticity guarantee. If it, if it, you sure. bought it and it came back that it wasn't real for whatever reason, it slipped through the cracks. Although a card like this, I think if it got the PSA, they would give it severe scrutiny. It wouldn't sure. just be your, your standard, you know, 2023 tops card coming through the door. Right. It would get more attention hey, let's really make sure we get this one right, you know, and that that to me would negate a lot of that liability if they really did their due diligence and, and did the right thing. So that's disappointing to me uh, as well that once when Chris was telling me the story of, and having to go jump through all these hoops with these companies and telling them, that, like, yeah, these are real. And, and PSA, especially, they've graded them before. Why yeah. would they, you know... Why would they now say, no, nah, we're not going to do that? I, I think it's a liability thing, um, which bothers me. But uh. I feel like within the hobby right now, we're in this kind of funky place where there's this boom that's happening, where there's all of this money in the hobby that's come in post-pandemic. And, and uh, um, as a result of that, a lot of the companies that provide services to the hobby have, have sort of... Um, They've, they've been able to be a little more picky about what about what they do because the volume of material that's coming in is so great. So, you know, as an example, one one of the things that I've been complaining about for for you know years now is that there's no new standard catalog. The standard catalog hasn't been published since 2017. Nobody really even knows who owns the standard catalog anymore, and the grading companies look to the standard catalog for what they will for what they'll grade, right? So, so uh, you know, anybody who discovers a new variation, for example, um, you know, it used to be that you would report those to the standard catalog. I've been doing that for years, but after Bob Lemke passed away, um, you know, there hasn't been a, an update to the standard catalog. So all of these new discoveries just kind of go out into the ether. And now the grading companies are forced to make a decision without some kind of reference material to back it up. And, and uh, you know, that makes things a little difficult, I think. But but in this case, they're in the standard catalog. So, you know, these Bowman cards are in the standard catalog. And, and so, um, you know, I can't quite figure out, you know, to me, there's no difference between submitting one of these proofs and submitting an actual 53 Bowman color card. They're both cataloged and, and their authenticators should be able to, um, you know, tell whether they're good or not. And it's not like they don't grade other proofs of different sets, you right. know, um, 
whether it's the tops 3d you know 69 tops 3d or i'm trying to think of other yeah. examples of proof cards sure. that there's tons of them there is right. you know i i don't i don't quite understand it because it's not like there's been a, a a rash of of cards you know of of reprints of these cards or, or fakes that that have made their way into the hobby it's not like if you when you start to research this card there's no indication that that's a thing and and so you know it it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense other than you know the companies are skittish about liability and and uh, you know to me you know we can sit here and question whether or not that's their job but uh, you know, at the end of the day, I, you know these companies each need to make decisions that are within their own comfort levels or comfort zones, and and that's fine. I get it. Um, you know, we're comfortable with the card. CGC is comfortable with the card. I like the provenance of it, and and uh, you know, it's clearly a uh, you know it fits the bill. It's the, the printing is right, the registration marks are right, the stock is right, passes the black light test. It's it's uh, you know we've looped it to death here, and it looks good. So uh, we're comfortable with uh, with CGC's assessment. Well, Chris, I have an important question for you because you're on here. You told us the story about the card. You don't have the card. Al has your card. Why does Al have your <laughs> 53 Bowman color proof? Well, I tell you that that's a really good question, and I'm I'm uh, I'm anxious to answer it. When when I got this card again, I reached out to our little YouTube community, and I. I posed that question to a few of the guys that I knew sold and bought cards at auction houses. So I'd, I'd reached out to Rick Oddball Cards. I'd reached out to Orlando, a collector's dream. And I reached out to Dave Berg. And, and again, this is I, I reached out to them after I was a little frustrated. I had taken that card with me to the National in, in, a, in, in a raw form. And... Um, you know, and I'm not ta I'm not going to bash any other companies, but but, you know, at the national, you know, I hit up uh, Probstein didn't did not want it. Uh, they or didn't spend much time with me. And and you can kind of tell, you know, I've been around quite a little bit. You can kind of tell when somebody wants to talk to you about it a little bit. And so a couple of companies that I talked to at the national this they, they weren't really interested in talking to me. And I know they're busy and stuff. When I got back, I started making some phone calls and and Dave, Dave and the consensus was, was okay, this is a unique card uh, for the love of the game auctions does unique cards. And I had it I had it narrowed down to heritage, REA, and for the love of the game. That's who I had it narrowed down to. All three great companies, I'm sure. And when I so I, I got a little push from Orlando and Dave to lean toward for the love of the game. But when I called Al, the reason Al has my card now, it's not, it's, you know, I got a push from those guys, but the reason Al has my card is because of Al. When I called him, um, you know, he, he was excited about that card. He knew what I was talking about, but he, he, you know, I was talking to the man. I wasn't, I, I wasn't talking to some helper or worker or some, I was talking to, you know, who, you know, Dave would say, well, if you get a hold of Al, Orlando said, well, if you can get a hold of Al, well, I got a hold of Al. And, uh, and he, you know, he, he knew about the card. He, he was, he, 
he was talking about that card like it was his own card. And I, I think he, I believe he's going to give it the attention that it, that if it was his card or his mother's card or his great uncle's card, he's going to give that card attention. I felt like that with our conversation on the phone and I feel like it now. And that's the reason Al has my card. That's all flattering. Thank you. Well, I'm not really good. At, I'm not really good at that whole flattering thing. That's hard for me to do. That, but, but that is truly. I'll sit there. I'll sit there going, "What's this guy's name again?" Chris. Okay, Chris. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, no, you should, Mike. You, you should have heard our. He was on the road um, he, when I first contacted. He was on the road going to pick up some uh, some other cards, and he'd pulled over and and you should have been there and listened to our conversation. You know, he wasn't begging me for anything. Uh, he was just saying, okay, you know, do your due diligence. If you're comfortable, give me a call back. But here's what, you know, here's what here's what I'm willing to do. And here's what I would love to have that card in my hands. And uh, and that and that, and our conversation that just it bleeded through and there was nobody else. I made a I told him, I said, I gotta make two phone calls and I'll call you back. And I made two phone calls. I told them thanks, but no thanks. And then I sent it off to Al. So I'm, Al, thrilled, I'm thrilled to have it. It's a great card. And and now that you do have it, Al, what's kind of the next steps? What what kind of things do you go through when you have a card like this that you feel is special and unique and, and deserves some kind of extra attention, right? It's it doesn't come up for sale very often. What kind of steps does your company take to highlight that card? So in, in this particular case, the, the card's going to stay with me. Um, it's, it's I, I mean, we've got an excellent, excellent staff here of, of really knowledgeable, passionate people who are talented at what they do. Um, you know, but, but uh, aside from relinquishing this card to our photographer to have it scanned properly and, and, and all of that, um, you know, the card is, is, I mean, it's right here with, with, <laughs> you know, with me. Um, you know, we we specialize in stuff you don't see every day. We're not the biggest. We're probably the smallest of the catalog auction houses. And and uh, but what I'm interested in is is the the hobby and its history and what makes the items unique and what makes them special and not necessarily how much money they're worth. And and uh, uh, so because of that, I mean, we do get high dollar material here, but, but uh, I think we're kind of the go-to for stuff you don't see every day. And so I feel like we're the perfect auction house for, for this card because we do care about that stuff and the stories behind it and, and uh, you know how this card came to be, how this piece came to be, and what makes it important. Um, what you don't see with us is a lot of flowery language, uh, which is something that you do see in in auction descriptions all over the place. You know, we try and avoid that, uh, and instead just be educational and explain what is this and and why is it special and and why should you want to have it in your collection, and and so you know. I think that makes us, uh, you know, the right the right place for for this type of a card. And uh, in our catalog, in our next auction, which will go live in, in mid March, um, you'll see that there are an, a number of cards that you never see. You know, unique examples of things that are, uh, you know, not proofs like this, but new discoveries and rare variations and and all kinds of stuff like that. That's the kind of thing that we do. So. 
how many, if you know this, I'd be curious, have you sold 53 Bowman color proofs before? No, no. This okay. is the, this is, yeah, I'm really excited about, I mean, it's always cool when it's the first time you've seen one, you know, and, and, you know, these are cards that I was kind of vaguely familiar with, uh, you know, I knew that they were out there and, and, uh, you know, I, I knew that, uh, you know, that they had been sold before, but I'd never handled one. So so in that respect, you know, just from my, you know, I'm a collector. Uh, yeah, I'm a collector like like the rest of us. And and uh, so, um, you know, I, I focus on vintage stuff myself. And uh, um, so when I see something like this, it's really interesting to me. And uh, I mean, this is obviously why I started this company is because I love this stuff. And, and so, uh, um, you know, I was really, really enthusiastic. I was I was on the road. I, I travel um, to pick up consignments. I get in the car and I'll drive thousands of miles. I go cross country a couple times a year and, and uh, just visit with collectors along the way and, and uh, pick up consignments and meet with people about their collections and that sort of thing. So I was I was in Florida um when when uh, chris and i connected and uh and yeah i pulled over i was in a burger king parking lot having this <laughs> having this discussion with chris um and and uh you know i couldn't wait to get back because i you know i wanted to see the card i had a carload of stuff but the you know the thing that i was all enthusiastic about was getting back and seeing this bowman card when i <laughs> when i got back to the office so uh it's a really neat card you know, a lot of people. I've spoken to a number of um, post-war vintage collectors who who uh, are are primarily dealing in tops and Bowman issues, and they they uh, uh, chase after not just the the uh, the sets, but also the test issues and the variations and all of that kind of stuff. And uh, none of them have ever held one of these. So so uh, it's it's very unique. So you mentioned, okay, you get back to the office, Chris has mailed you the card, you're there to see it. And you mentioned some things that you and your team have kind of put that card through the ringer a little bit in terms sure. of your own due diligence and, right. and determining, okay, great. It's in a CGC holder. So what, right? Let's, let's do our own homework. And, right. and what, what things does that card, did that card go through for you to feel comfortable that, yeah, we think this is hundred percent legit. So the the first thing that we're doing is we're putting it side by side with other fifty three Bowman colors. Now this is kind of unique, obviously, because the card was never issued, right? So so uh, what I'm looking for is the style of printing. I'm looping it. I'm getting real close at 40, 40 times magnification to look at the dot patterns and make sure that they're similar to to uh, what you see with the regular issue. Um, I'm looking at things like the print registration. I'm looking for signs of like a digital print. You know what would come out of a computer, like a you know a high quality laser printer or something like that. Uh, I'm not seeing any of that, and and uh, then I'm also uh, you know giving it the blacklight test. Um, in 1950, paper manufacturers started to add uh, whiteners to to uh, paper that and that white the paper fluoresces under blacklight when when uh, you know when it's got that. Um, some of the early 1950s paper just still doesn't have that though, and these don't really these, these 53 Bowman. So the card doesn't fluoresce, which which is an indicator that it's using vintage paper. So I'm I'm pretty comfortable um, with everything. And at that point, you know, we did go through um, the exercise of checking, double checking with SGC and PSA to see if you know there was a reason that they could give us uh, why they don't hold her this card. 
Um, neither company examined the card. Neither company said, yeah, we don't, we don't believe in the card. They both said on the phone, we don't grade that issue. And, and so, uh, um, you know, at that point, then it goes into photography and, uh, and then it's, it awaits its description. And, and, uh, in this case, it's going to be me writing the description for this one. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, what do you reasonably, it, it, again, a card that's that rare, you've never even held one, much less sold one in auction. Yeah. Is there any past data that can give you any indication of what this card range might end up at? So, so there, were, there was a set of these that I found in, I believe it was SCP auctions back in, I, I want to say it was 2001. And, uh, and it sold for a couple thousand dollars, the, the Dodgers in action back in 2001. Um, then there's uh, there's been a couple of other, you know, tales of private sales and things like that. I mean, obviously, there's prices in the standard catalog. The Dodgers in action card in near mint condition in the most recent standard catalog, which was 2017, is listed as $5,000. I think that's really low, um, you know, not the $5,000 number in general, but the 5,000 number for near mint. I don't think this card exists in near mint condition. <laughs> and so I don't know that you can, you can, uh, you know, apply the same kind of logic that you would for the regular issue 53 Bowman color or Warren's bond, for example, or Pee Wee Reese, you know, where that's a kind of a liquid card that sells every week on eBay and you can kind of predict uh, what its value is. Uh, in this case, you know, you've got a card that, I've only been able to find two different ones, um, you know, in the research that I've done so far, the one that sold in SCP and this one. And, and so, you know, it's, it's really hard to, you know, if you get three or four guys who are, who are Bowman completists who love chasing after variations and test issues and proofs and things like that, um, the sky's the limit for this card, I think. Um, so I, you know, I don't know. It's it's uh, it's going to be fun to try and see. Is your speculation maybe that there's less than ten of those probably in existence? Less than five? Like what would you guess? No, you know, we don't know. But just if you were to my, guess, my assumption is with cards like this that are that are proofs, right? That never were actually manufactured. Um, they ne this card never left Bowman. It never, it never left the, the the offices or the printing press or where you know either where the cards were manufactured or the offices of whomever it was that was determining whether or not this card was going to go into the set, right? And and so there's no need for more than a couple of sheets to to have been printed, you know. The, there's not going to be a whole press run of of uh, you know oh, let's let's run thousands of these and then decide they're going to run a couple and and uh uh so i i wouldn't be surprised if there was fewer than a half dozen or so of these that were even manufactured um but they're so rare that it's nobody i don't think anybody knows you know right. <laughs> so that's that's what's so interesting about it to me is that one is it just graded authentic or does it have a numerical grade it's got a numerical grade of uh, good plus 2.5 okay yeah. Which would make sense if you have a proof that's in someone's office and they're handing around to different people in the office. Hey, look at this. What do you think? of? Should this be in it? Yeah. That it would be a handled item and not stay in pristine. In fact, you'd, you'd be surprised if it was pristine. That would probably make you even more suspicious of the card. Right. 
because you're like, wait a second, this card was meant to be handed around and guys looking at it and putting it up and no, oh, do we want this one or this one? That would make me even more conspicuous. Yeah. You know, be like, man, that sounds too good to be true, right? Right. right. It's uh, you know that's what one would think. Uh, you know, unfortunately, sometimes with with cards like this, and there are there are examples of things like this through every card manufacturer where there's you know some weird anomaly that happens. Uh, you know, with th they exist in throughout the T two hundred six set. There are thirty three Gaudis out there that have you know weird blue backs and and uh, you know are missing color passes and things like that. And and you know generally the the working theory on all of them is is that these never were intended to leave the building. You know, somebody cut it up and brought it home to play with their, you know, to give to their kid or, or it was in a file copy of a book somewhere that got eventually, you know, found its way into the hobby and was taken out of the book or, or you know, whatever it is. But it certainly was never in a pack. And, and uh, you know, this is why you just you don't see them. So this is going to be in your March auction. Correct? Yes. Which yes. will end what day? Uh, it closes on March 30th. Okay, and it's at uh, you can go to lotgauctions.com or loveofthegameauctions.com and find us each way if you're not a registered bidder. Um, and uh, you can get registered if you're interested. I'm a registered bidder, but I appreciate uh, that. <laughs> I want to ask Chris real quick, and maybe this will be good feedback for Al, although he talks to so many, he knows so many people in the hobby. We're, we're relative peons, no. but the point would be. Chris, why do you think there's, because I get this feeling, there's a general lack of trust maybe in auction houses, a lack of confidence from, for whatever reason. There's a lot of reasons that I hear from people, all of which I can punch holes in and say, I don't think that's true. My experience tells me that's not true. Chris, why do you think there might be some apprehension from people to use auction houses? I I think it's I think it's carried over by guys like me. Um, we gr we grow up in the hobby collecting cards and auction houses and stuff. Back when I was ten years old and twelve years old, you know, we would look on that with awe and we'd say, "Oh, I can't afford that," or um, you know that that there's going to be too many people looking at that. I'm I can't afford that. And they, I carry that over from year to year. I've never purchased a card from an auction house. And, um, you know, there's there's also a lot of people out there that want to have that card in their hand if they're going to spend that much money on a card. Uh, they want to they pick that thing up themselves and scrutinize it themselves without buying it from a picture. Uh, as far as the trust goes, I... I, I I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, so far, I mean, so far, this has been the one of the easiest things I've ever done to sell a card uh, or to, to, you know, to to try to to try to sell a card. Um, so, I, you know, I feel very comfortable. But I, you know, I just think it I just think the auction houses were to me a mythical kind of thing that I would never, ever, ever in my whole entire life be able to do and always and would you know and 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 didn't believe didn't believe really believe they were out there <laughs> no that's a fascinating perspective and i i i get it i get why you feel that way and and this is a double-edged sword for me because for years 
I, I've been able to buy stuff at auction houses for what I think are incredibly good deals because of, I think, that baked in skepticism, concern, whatever it is that you're talking about with old school collectors. Um, most of it myth is all myth, right? Now, in the last few years, and Al can probably attest to this, the auction house, there's a lot more of them. More cards are being, more people are are buying into, yeah, that's a great place to buy a card if I want one. And I'm seeing now when I bid on auctions, I'm getting blown away in terms of what I'm willing to pay. Whereas I used to get great deals. So this, that's why it's a double-edged sword. And I'm just by propping up and hyping up and telling people, Hey, here's some different auction houses back in, I did years ago, Al, I did a video. Your, your company was one of them. I said, you know, here's a list of companies that I would tell you, if you want to try out auction houses, here's some great ones. And, you know, it's, it's happening. I think yeah. more and more people are buying into the idea of buying cards on auction houses, feeling more confident with that. Um, go ahead, Chris. You look like you want to say something. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to pile on here, but you can, you can take a Friday night on YouTube on, I mean, Mike, you're friends with hundreds of, of uh, YouTube uh, content creators and you can spend a Friday night looking at, cards picked up and they'll say, Oh, I got this at an auction house. Oh, I, I won this at an auction house. I won this, you know, and here's a card and you can spend all night looking at those videos. So it's, it's becoming a common theme now. And, and with me, if I can trust the content creator that's talking about winning this at an auction site, why can I not trust the auction site? And I think a person needs to dip their toe in the water just a little bit yeah. And find out that man, this could be a lot easier than than you know. You can cut through. You don't have to look at the shiny stuff. You can go right through for the right to for the love of the game auctions, and 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 find the old stuff that would fit perfect in your collection. Chris, I have to correct you because it's bugging me. It's just love of the game. There's no for the love of the game, <laughs> and you've said that multiple times. I think Al's gonna, Al's about to increase his percentage, his cut because you can't even. You know, <laughs> Um, I'll have to practice it. I'll have to practice it. It's, but, it's an interesting question, Mike. I think you know we all come at the hobby from different places, and I and I and I think um, some of us who are of a certain age uh, who who matured into this hobby before there was an internet, right? Um, they discovered the internet as a way to collect. But we're buying through these mail order auctions, these mail auctions that were advertised in the pages of SCD in the 70s and the 80s, right? And a lot of those companies got with the internet and, and started auction houses, companies like Robert Edward Auctions, which were in business, you know, they were in business in the 90s doing, you know, doing auctions through through the mail. And, and uh, then I think the internet, the technology of the internet really gave people the ability to buy and sell that way and and uh this whole universe of people who were communicating on message boards uh you know just naturally flowed through to the online auction houses but there's this other community of people who are active on social media and active on youtube and active on tiktok and and platforms like those that have you know, that thrives separately from these other guys that, that, you know, came at the hobby through SCD and through message boards and through the forums from the grading companies on their websites and that sort of thing. And, and so I think the auction houses in general have not done a great job 
of of researching of reaching those folks, people who are podcasters or audiences of podcasters and YouTube, you know, people like yourself, um, you know, you're finding us. We're not finding you necessarily. And and uh, uh, because of that, there's this natural reticence to, you know, is this really somebody that I can trust? Is it, you know, is this is this somebody that, uh, you know, do they really even have this stuff, you know, and, and uh, um you know, we do, we have the stuff and, and, <laughs> but there's also, I think this perception, Al, that, you know, especially for us old folks, it's, we have this perception of an auction being, you know, sitting at Sotheby's and you got, you know, you're, you're lifting your numbered paddle to make a bid, you know, and that kind of, that kind of thing. And I'm like, I just bought a George Kell signed 57 tops card on REA last couple of weeks ago for 50 bucks, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's everything. There's the full spectrum. Yes, there's the high-end stuff. And yes, it's fun to just peruse it. Eye candy, man, someday if I win the lottery. But there's plenty of stuff that can be bought for the everyday collector that they could really add to their collection and enjoy. Do you agree with that, that there's a huge spectrum out there? Unquestionably. I I think, you know, companies have done... You know, there's there's the catalog auction houses which print, and we're one of them. We print a full color catalog that goes out to our active bidders and things like that. So we have this, you know, there there is a limit to the the, you know, the the on the low side of the prices, the values of the things we can sell. Uh, you know, you put yourself right out of business printing a catalog full of twenty five dollar items, um, but at the same time. There's enough of that stuff in the auctions that there's something for everybody. And, and uh, you know, I don't I like to think that things don't really slip through the cracks to that much of a great degree. Um, but you deal you do still occasionally find a bargain. And, and uh, you know, when you start looking at some of the auction houses that are not printing catalogs that are running regular auctions, you know, there's real opportunities to get every every level of material you know five ten dollar cards that you can pick up in in auction houses um you know there used to be a a company in massachusetts you remember rotman rotman auctions i do (laughs) i use them all the time it was the first internet auction that i ever participated in and there were no pictures of anything it was all just text and and uh every lot started at five dollars and and uh you know i would just blanket their auction with with bids on vintage cards oh here's a stack of you know 55 bowman's you know opening bid is five dollars it includes ernie banks and and hank aaron okay that sounds good and and uh you know i would just place a bunch of bids and once in a while luck out and get a little pile of cards in the mail it's addictive (laughs) totally addictive Yeah. yeah um chris any final thoughts as we wrap this up i'm i'm excited for you i want to put i want to put the over under I think it's going to go for over 10 grand. Um, that doesn't gonna, seem unreasonable. Yeah. That's where I'm going to put the over under. I'd love comments down below from everybody. Do you think over or under 10 is where the final hammer price is? Um, Chris, any final thoughts? I, since I've had this card, uh, you know, I've I actually take, I've taken it to a show and, and put it in my showcase at a show and, and at a small one and a dealer came up and offered me his tables for that card. And I just, that's when I knew 
that's when I knew that I really had something special. He wanted to hold on to that card. He took pictures with that card. Wow. Um, and, uh, you know, he, you know, and I just said, okay, I know, I, I know I have something here, uh, of value and I'm, I'm excited for it to sell and I'm, I'm excited to watch it and, and watch the process. And, and I believe I have it in good hands to tell you the truth, yeah. Mike. It's a it's a lot of fun to uh, to watch the enthusiasm for stuff like this. We had in our in our last auction uh, a group of 1921 Herpelsheimer cards that were uh, it was previously thought of uh, the cards were thought of to be just only one of a kind, and uh, and there was a new find of 39 cards that we had in our last auction, including a Babe Ruth, and and. Um, it was fun, even when there was speculation uh, about whether or not the cards were authentic. Not the cards we had, but the the cards in general, the, the Herpelsheimer cards. And uh, it was fun to watch. You know, we were digging, but some other collectors were digging as well and found some ads from 1921 for the cards. It's just it was it's fun to watch the discussions happen. Uh, you know, uh, for me growing up, this ho hobby was a very solitary kind of thing it was a thing i did by myself and and uh, so it's always neat to see a community of people uh you know digging in and learning about a thing and sharing information and and doing this kind of thing what's the up you know the over under on the card is it going to hit 10 grand or, or or not i'm hoping that it does it's it's uh, I, I think that's a good number well i've got I'll, I'll put this on the screen here's an article that was in the Topps archives not that long ago. This article was written uh, in 2022, two, two years ago, uh, almost mm -hmm. to the day. And it talks about these proofs and the, there's the spawn. Um, there's the regular spawn that's in the set, the slaughter proof. Uh, there's the, and I'll put a link to this. If you're watching this on YouTube, I'll put a link to this, uh, archi this archival um, article that you guys can go read yourself and go see even here's an article written by an S, uh, sports collectors digest back in when was that written a long time ago 20 something years ago yeah and so that will be something that if you guys are watching this and you're fascinated by it the link will be down below you can go read it read even more than al shared with you or chris has shared with you so far about these proofs it's fun to learn this kind of stuff this is about adding knowledge to the hobby and to your hobby knowledge and that's what this show is all about and i get messages from people all the time about how much this show has helped their hobby knowledge and this is a great example of an episode that does that i rarely will do episodes where i highlight one card in fact this may be the first time i've ever highlighted one card but it deserved <laughs> it because it's so unique and it's so special and i really appreciate chris and al you you guys' time coming here and talking about the story pleasure. it's a pleasure anytime thanks for having me you bet Chris, I'll talk to you soon. We'll do. I'm going to whip you on uh, showcase. It's on. It's on. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks so much for watching. Thanks for listening. You guys can hang around just a second. We'll talk to you guys soon. Keep collecting.